You are listening to the Riverbend Youth Podcast. We hope this teaching deepens your relationship with Jesus and encourages you to share your faith with others. Please enjoy the message. Well, years ago, I worked for uh, a different church, and the offices for this church were in this old school, like, Victorian-style house. That's where we officed, and this place was built in, like, the late 1800s, and I remember arriving to work one day and opening the door, and I almost just fell over because the stench from inside the building was so horrendous. It was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before in my life. I was like, did someone just spray toxic waste and sewage all over the walls? And now that's the office that I'm supposed to work in this morning. I was like, heck no. It was the kind of smell that's just sinful. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you ever smelled something near like that? You're just like, oh no. That shouldn't exist. That's straight from Satan himself. That's the enemy in, in smell form. That's what this was. I, I felt like I was going to get a disease just by breathing the dang air. I was gagging. It was a whole mess. I, I actually had to leave the building. I couldn't even walk in because it was like a, a, a wall of nasty. So I was like, I'm working outside on the picnic table today because it was just rough. Well, I'm working outside on the picnic table. My friend shows up that I worked with, and he's like, why are you out here on the bidding table? And I uh, told him, I was like, go inside and find out because you're going to be coming back out with no eyelashes because it's that nasty. Um, Y'all ever seen that episode of SpongeBob? Never mind. Anyway, um, this fool was like, well, let's go investigate the source of the smell. I'm like, I I can't, you know, I can't do that. I was like, immediately no, you know, but, but, he was convincing, and he's like, you can put a clip on your nose, and you can wrap a sweater around your face, and don't have to breathe it in directly. And I was like, okay. So we followed our noses, and we went into the attic of this two-story building. We were kind of just like figuring out where it smelled the nastiest, and it turned out it was in the attic. So it was like, you pull down the door of the attic, the stairs come down, we start like marching our way up into the attic and it is just so bad, like my eyes are starting to water. Um, and, and at this point I knew it was something that was dead. Like I know something was dead up in the attic and I hadn't seen my friend Jacob for a while so I was a little worried, but I was like, no, it's, it's, it's not that. Um, but I, uh, I, I, the, the thing that, that freaked me out the most was that not just the dead thing, but how many other critters would be feasting on a carcass, you know? So, so me and my friend, we go up there and we have baseball bats and we came prepared, bro. We had baseball bats. I think uh, he had like a football helmet on or something like that. We were ready for war. We like armored up. Um, we had this giant black trash bag because we were just going to put whatever was dead up in the trash bag, try to, you know, take care of the, of the situation we had flashlights so we could see because it was super dark up there. Um, and when I saw what it was, I almost couldn't believe it. I was like, no, oh no, take several seats. I was like, that can't be a thing. See, the landowner of this place had been putting out rat poison because there was like a mouse problem. There's like little mice up in the walls. Well, the homie put out too much rat poison because I don't think it's supposed to kill a a full-grown adult male raccoon. This sucker was like the size of of some human children and even bigger because it had like expanded and and like gotten all 
exploded in junk. It was blown out. It was so nasty. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we took that 35-pound raccoon. We put him in a bag. We gave him a proper burial. You know what I'm saying? We did it right. I took a bath in hand sanitizer after this, and it was just the nastiest thing in my life. Uh, it's imprinted in my brain forever. And you're sitting there thinking, like, why the crap did you just tell me that story? Now I don't want to go eat lunch after this. <laughs> well, it's because we've been in this series where we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit of God, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these things are all around us. These fruit of the Spirit are all around us all the time because God is all around us all the time. But the problem is that, that we are constantly being overpowered by things in this world that are far less appealing, that, that, that stink, right? And, but yet, we can't ignore them because they are stronger than the aroma of God and the fruit of his Holy Spirit that are all around us. There are things like lust and things like anger and things like envy and pride and jealousy that seek to destroy us, that we have a physical response to because they're nasty. We don't like the way they look. We don't like ourselves when we're around these things, but yet we can't help but be drawn to them. And yet there's the goodness of God all around us, but we almost can't see it. We can't even hear it. We don't feel God's presence because we're too busy, hyper-focused on this one thing that just seems so much more, uh, so much stronger just like that rotting raccoon. I had this friend that used to text me every day. He used to say ISGT. It was like a picture, and then he would write ISGT with a picture. It was always a picture of, of his kids or of like a sunset or a rainbow, something beautiful in nature. And ISGT stands for I saw God today. And I think we as people have kind of forgotten how to see God today. He, he was really good at it, and he was almost, it's really corny when you think about it. He's like, ISGT, here's like a picture of a pretty flower. I'm like, cool, man. <laughs> um, but, but looking back, I, I think it's kind of just like that whole raccoon situation. See, like, there was, I worked at a church. I was doing beautiful ministry. I was with my friends. I, I enjoyed, like, getting to do God's work. We had this house, and it was beautiful. It was a really great place to get to office out of. It was such a blessing. But I couldn't help, I couldn't ignore that raccoon and the stench of it. And for us, you might say, like, look, I have, this is my family situation. This is where I live. I have food. We have vehicles. There are all these blessings but there's something probably that, that bothers you, something that you can't stand. Maybe it's about the environment or even about yourself, and it seems stronger than all of those good things. You almost don't even see the good things anymore. You don't see God today because all you see is the brokenness and the heartache and the, the, the devastation and the stress, the anxiety, the mental health battle that's waging inside of you that you can't seem to hack. It's tough. It's tough. A, a couple of years ago, um, a group of young people your age were asked about their hope for the future, their outlook on the future, and only 24% of them expected progress for society and the future. Only 24% of people thought, hey, we're actually getting better. Things are going to be okay moving forward. It's, it's kind of grim because we've grown so accustomed to just things being bad, 
We're like calloused to it. We almost don't even care to. It's just what we expect. We don't expect things to be good. We don't expect love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and, and, and self-control. Like, we, we don't expect those things. We're like, yeah, everybody fails. Everybody messes up. Every guy looks at porn. Everybody struggles with, with anxiety. Everybody's stressed out. Fail, like, it's just natural. Everybody's parents are divorced. Like, it's just, we don't expect it to be any better we, because we've just gotten so so used to it not being better, right? And it's tough, man, because God promises us, promises us a good life. And some of us, the life we're living is anything but that. We look around at this world and it's like, if I had to type ISGT today, I don't know where I'd see him. I don't know if I see him at all. The stench of the bad fruit in our lives, in our world, our schools, social circles, social media, it is overpowering the aroma of the God and the fruit of the Spirit and every word that comes from the mouth of the living God. But it was never supposed to be that way. We're, we're living in a fallen state, in a broken place that's outside of God's original design. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 uh, he says, God created mankind in his own image. Like all people were created in the image of God and the image of God, he created them. He created us, you, and the whole world, everything in it was created by him and for him to bring glory to him. But if you're looking around, you're like, I don't see God. I don't see God. We were created to see God in creation. We were created to see God in each other. But it's like people, they do messed up things. They hurt us. We hurt other people. Even when we know we shouldn't, we still seem to do it anyway and lie. Why? You're like, I know I shouldn't. I know I'll get caught. We do it anyway. It's crazy. It's because we're living outside of God's original design and it almost doesn't even bother us anymore. And I just don't know about you, but I want to get back to that. I want to get back to as close as humanly possible to how God originally intended it because that is the good life walking in perfect fellowship with God, not even desiring to sin, not even having the temptation anymore because you're so in step with his Holy Spirit. Um, Paul, the writer of Galatians, who wrote the, the thing about the fruit of the Spirit, he also wrote another letter to people in Rome, and uh, it's in the book of Romans in your Bible. Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament that's in our Bibles, and he said this, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. We kind of broke this down a little bit last week, talking about the flesh versus the spirit, how the flesh is like your body and it just desires the things that are going to feel good in the moment, but not, might not necessarily be good for you in the long term. And then the spirit is inside of you, the spirit of God that it's that like war and there's this tension where it's like, no, I only long for the goodness of God, like we sang about earlier. I only long for the things that are going to bring glory to him, all the fruit of the spirit. But there's this duality inside of us, like waging war constantly. He says, so we're caught in the middle of this living for the flesh. But then he says this, those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. And that's what I want to unpack a little bit this morning is, is living in step with the spirit and desiring what the spirit desires. I wonder how many of us know that this is true, that like when you spend time with someone or you spend time around someone, you start to kind of be more like them. You'll know what I'm talking about. 
I've seen it a lot where like you have one person and they start hanging out with a group of friends and then they start suddenly dressing like that group of friends. They get a different hairstyle kind of like that group of friends. They even start talking a little bit like that group of friends. They'll, they'll use, they'll have a little more twang in their voice or they'll, they'll use like some slang terms that they didn't say before. But then it's like, oh, you get back around these groups of people over here. Then you talk different. It's kind of like you have a whole different little personality cadence to your voice. We're like chameleons shifting all over the place. And, and Paul is saying like, that same thing is true, but spiritually. If, if we're focused on the world and we're living in the world, we're going to mimic the world. You just kind of can't help it. It naturally happens because you become like the people you spend the most time with. But if you're walking with the Spirit and you spend more time with God, you'll inevitably start to become more like Him. And that's pretty cool, right? Um, so if you're asking, okay, well, how do I see God at work? If, if we're talking about seeing God and seeing the Spirit at work, how do I do that? It's kind of simple. It's literally just spending time with him. Spending time with him. We're like, I don't hear from God. A lot of us have this frustration. We're like, I don't hear from God. Okay, well, are you listening? Because how much time do you really spend listening to God, listening for him? Some of us be listening to Taylor Swift way more than we're listening to the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're saying, I don't feel like I connect with God. Okay, are you talking to God? Because you've got to talk to someone in order to connect with them. You'll spend time talking on FaceTime to, to friends and stuff and hours talking to people online or whatever. But, but how much time are we really spending with God? And we expect to have this relationship with him, you know? It's like, why am I not close with God? Why don't I feel his presence? It's like, well, because you're not trying a lot of the time. We'll say, I don't see God in my life. Are you looking? Are you looking? Don't even just say, I saw God today. Say, I saw God in this minute, in this moment. Because God shows up everywhere, all the time, nonstop. He doesn't quit. He doesn't take vacation. He's everywhere. But are we looking? Or are we too distracted by the things that are going on around us? In the book of Jeremiah, Chapter 29, God uh, is talking to the prophet Jeremiah, and he says, if you seek me, you will find me. A lot of us sitting here, we're like, I'm seeking you, God. I'm here. On a Sunday morning in a church, I am seeking God. Why am I not finding you? And that's the whole frustration. It's like, I am seeking you but I don't hear your voice. I am seeking you, but I'm not seeing your face. I am seeking you, but I'm not feeling your presence. That's not the end of the verse though, right? He says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with your whole heart, if you seek me with your whole heart, how many of us are only given 2% to God, but we're, we're expecting 100% in return? How many of us are given 90%, which is pretty great, but, but we're something is still a little bit off. We're like, where is God here? Where is God there? You're not seeking him with your whole heart. Ask yourself right now, am I seeking God with my whole heart or does he only have part of my heart? And what percentage would you assign to the part of your heart that God has? Right? I want to encourage us to do this, to learn to look for God. You're like, I don't want to learn anymore. <laughs> this is Sunday. Like, this is not school. I want to learn. 
But if you learn to look for God, this will change your life. I promise you, you'll see God in your school. You'll see God in your family. You'll see God everywhere in nature. Sure. You'll see God in every second of every single day. If you just learn to look for him, because it takes practice, just like getting good at any other thing, just like working out any other muscle. And there are four things that I want to leave us with that are going to help us. So if you're a note taker, Now's the time to take a little bit of notes. It's, four, it's literally four words. You can write them on your hand or on your arm or and notes in your phone. But if you do these things, it'll change your life. I promise you. Okay, so number one is hear. Hear, like with your ears. Spend time in God's word, listening to the voice of God. He spoke these things, and they have been written down and documented for us to read and absorb. Also, you can hear good music and listen to music that, that is constructive rather than destructive, stuff that'll build you up. Also, you can listen to godly influences, people that God has put in your life in a Christian community to help build you up instead of tear you down. Because how many of us are in communities that are really not healthy for us, right? So hear from God. God gave you two ears and one mouth because you need to be listening twice as much as you're talking. That's why I put the second thing is talk. But, but don't talk to God or whatever. That's, we're, we're getting there. This talk is talk about God. Talk about God. Talk about God to your friends. How often does the name Jesus come out of your mouth on a weekly basis? Right? Just talk to people and say, like, God is good. He's done this in my life. Do you know God? Have, converse, have spiritual conversations with people, whether they believe what you believe or not, because it'll help you exercise that muscle. It'll help give you practice. Another th- thing you can talk is talk as though you were God, as though God is talking through you, right? If, if you see something good, say it. If you see someone who's discouraged, encourage them. If you see someone who's struggling, build them up. If you see someone who's alone, go be with them and just talk to them. That's what Jesus would do if you, if you were there and it's like, what would Jesus do in this moment right here? He would enter into the difficult situation. He, he would, and he would talk. He would, share his, he would share faith with his friends. So number three, we got hear, we got talk, and we got live. Because we don't just want to listen. We don't just want to talk about it. We want to be about it too, right? We want to not just talk the talk, but we want to walk the walk. So now it's time to start living. And I'm going to be honest with you, this might be the hardest one because this is the place where some real change has to start to happen. This is the place where some adjustments need to be made. This is the place where some discipline is going to come in and some accountability has got to come in because to live this Christian life is hard. It's easy to talk about it. It's easy to hear about it, to know all of the right things. It's a lot harder to do it because you might lose friends. You might lose friends if you're living this life for Jesus and I would say, man, some people, in fact, Jesus said, he's like, they hate you. They first hated me. Just remember that. I would say, if you're really walking with, with Jesus closely, there are going to be some people that don't like you. And you got to be all right with that because they don't, some people don't like Jesus. And if you're representing him well, they might not like you either. And you have to be prepared for that. And so that's why it's so hard is you can't be a people pleaser. You got to be a God pleaser first and then let people make their own decisions. And that's tough, man. You can pray for them. Say, I hope you come around. I love you. I want what's best for you. And it actually leads us into the fourth and final thing. 
this faith skill of prayer. We're going to hear, we're going to talk, we're going to live, and we're going to pray. You're like, prayer, duh, that sounds so simple, but I'm not talking about just, you know, the prayer right before the food or something where it's like, you know, bless the meat, darn the skin, open your kisser and cram it in, in God's name, amen, or whatever, like, not that. I'm talking about like real, genuine, and authentic prayer. Y'all can use that. Um, (laughs) I got a lot more. I remember for me, when I was in middle and high school, I had a prayer journal. I would write down my prayers because I'm too, I can't focus. So I would be like praying, you know, in my head. I'd be trying to like lay in bed, just praying in my head. And I'd be like, dear God, like, thanks for my mom. And man, I love chameleons. They're so cool. How they always have that long tongue thing. Wait, no, hold up. Uh, Lord, my, you know, my friend who's struggling, I just pray that you bless them. And man, am I trying to like ride my dirt bike tomorrow? Yeah, probably. Oh, shoot. Uh, you know what? I really love donut holes. Wait, God, hold up. And just like, I was like, I can't focus. So I had to, to exercise discipline in the realm of prayer. I got a journal and literally would write down my prayers so I could see them, which was cool because then I could look back and see when they were answered. I'd say like, God answered that prayer. I'd highlight that one in green right? It was so awesome. Another way I authentically prayed was out loud. Because again, if I'm in my head, I just get too easily distracted. But if I'm talking to God, like I'm talking to a person, um, I'm less distracted. So people would come into my room and be like, are you schizophrenic? Are you freaking out? Are you crazy? Are you having a seizure? Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just talking to God. Okay. He's right here. Clearly. They're like, okay, bye. I remember once I was so frustrated with God. Um, this girl had broken up with me. It was sad, so sad. I know. Major oof. I know. Her loss. But um, <laughs> but she did. I didn't understand why. It was not my fault. We had been together for a long time. And I remember going out to the middle of a field in the middle of the night. And I may or may not condone doing this, but I look up at the sky, I see the stars, and I see, like, just the expanse of the universe, and I'm like, God, you created all this, and I know you're good, um, but I can't understand why you would allow this to happen to me. Like, I thought she was the one! I thought we were going to get married, and all that. And, uh, and I screamed at God, bro, at the top of my lungs, and um, might have said a couple of four-letter words even to God, but he can handle it! Um, and I just screamed and I was crying and just yelling at God, all my frustrations. And uh, I just remember that moment because I was like, that was authentic prayer. That was authentically me having, having an interaction with God, my creator, and just struggling through something together where I just didn't understand. It wasn't shallow. It wasn't fake. It wasn't just for people. Like it was me and my Lord together. And so kind of as we close it up, I just want to encourage you to put these things into practice, these four things, to hear, talk, live, and pray. Hear, talk, live, and pray. And if you commit to these four faith skills, you will have the good life. I promise you. I promise you. It'll happen. And, and, and not height or depth or angels or demons or anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not anything because you'll be walking with the Spirit. You do these things, you're walking with the Spirit. And the Spirit helps you see the good life. And the more you see it, the more you'll want it. The more you practice it, the better at it you will get. And the more you will realize when you start eating good fruit that you've been eating rotten and decaying broken stuff for far too long. And once you get a taste, you'll taste and see that God is good, 
right? And you'll never want to go back. You'll never want to go back because the good life is so much better than you could ever imagine. I hope you get to experience it. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Youth Podcast. To learn about our mission, gatherings, and more, please follow us on Instagram at rbyouth or check out our website at riverbend.com students. If you were encouraged by this message, please subscribe, rate us, and consider sharing our channel with a friend. Available anywhere you get podcasts.